podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Please get lost. First half only one shot on target, one touch in the opposition box. You did nothing, no intensity. All the plus values has gone down, depreciated. You are a third class coach. Get lost, that's it. Your tactics are not working. Your substitutions have been all been flop except Nkunku substitution. You are not a world class manager or third class manager. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod, guys. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friends... Adam and... Francesco. Hey, come inside. How are we doing, boys? Francesco, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm very happy to be here and looking forward to looking at the action of the week in the Premier League and previewing the weekend's action with the big game on uh, Sunday. And uh, you can guess... From the colours we're wearing, although it's not the Juve shirt, the colours are the same. <laughs> and uh, Adam is wearing the one of Inter because that's the Derby d'Italia coming on. The tensions are building already. Tensions are building. I think we're all excited. Adam, how are we doing, man? I'm doing very well, thank you. I was debating between this and a yellow tie and a yellow suit just for the occasion because we know it's transfer <laughs> deadline day. So I don't know if it's the same in Italy. I have seen some variation of transfer deadline day of Italy as well. But um, yeah, obviously, we, we haven't got the same kind of atmosphere here. It seems like all the business was in Serie A today in particular, yeah. Rory. So we'll be talking about that later. But yes, Rui, more importantly, how are you doing this fine evening? I am very good. I'm very good. I kind of woke up with the foolish um, optimism of Arsenal pulling out a last minute yeah. Benzema loan yeah. move or something or something that was going to like, you know, uh, a David Ornstein bomber, but nothing happened really. <laughs> We've managed to ship off a few people that yes. would be quite welcome to go but still Cedric is still at the bloody club Ow. he somehow <laughs> clings on he's like honestly it's incredible so he's still at the club but we have managed to get rid of Renarsson um I think Lino Souza has gone to Villa and there was someone else who I can't remember oh Marquinhos maybe we're desperate to get rid of um but yeah we managed to get rid of a bit of the old Deadwood but yeah no incomings we really yeah, anyway, we'll get on to it. I'm a bit disappointed we haven't got a striker. But this episode, there is loads and loads and loads to cover. Um, we obviously have a full program in the Premier League this midweek with lots and lots of talking points. Liverpool looking class uh, or were Chelsea shit. I couldn't, I couldn't decide which one it was. I think it might be both. Um, Arsenal broke their hoodoo by winning at the city ground, finally. Um, and of course... Spurs versus Brentford. We'll be talking about Mopai versus Madison, mm. um, the box office fight that we all want to see, and we can say which side we're on. Um, and then in Serie A, we'll be talking about all the transfer news. It's been a crazy mm-hmm. busy day in Serie A. Um, and of course, we'll be looking forward to the big game at the weekend as we have Derby d'Italia, the title decider, maybe the first step to the second star for Inter, maybe. Who knows? But we will be talking all about that and a transfer roundup as well. So, guys, if you're ready... We're going to go for a very quick break and come back with the Premier League. Should we do it? Let's do it. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, here we are. It is time to talk Premier League. We had a full programme. The football never ends. And we're going to start all the way up in the northwest in Liverpool. I think this was by far the game of the week, really. The one that everybody... 
had their eyes on. Uh, Darwin Nunes managing to take more shots than the entire Chelsea team, <laughs> I think, and not managing to get a goal. Um, but it did finish Liverpool for Chelsea 1. Um, Liverpool looked incredibly, incredibly comfortable here. Mm-hmm. But before we talk about Liverpool, I want to talk about Chelsea. And I was pondering them today and thinking about their performance last night and what I witnessed. And Adam, for you, mm-hmm. the worst thing for me, and I want to see if you if you agree, is that there seems to be zero sign of progress with Chelsea. Yeah. There seems to be no... Mm-hmm. They've not got any further down the road than when Todd Bowley took over. It just yeah. seems to still be completely treading water. And the second they meet any team that's anywhere near good, they just fall apart. Yeah. I mean, it was... When I went for a review of just reviewing the clips today before we kind of went on air, it was shocking how poor the discipline was by the players, how badly they were out of position. They made it so easy for Liverpool to attack. I mean, I know we kind of be superlative about Liverpool in the way they dispatched Chelsea, but we have to kind of highlight how poor Chelsea were. And if this is a run-up to the final, Chelsea could be very much embarrassed at this final. Um, This was awful to watch from a Chelsea perspective. You can understand why Chelsea fans gave up any hope really after this match mm-hmm. because they are starting to really call out Pochettino and they're really demanding Mourinho, which is, you know, <laughs> it's incredible to think that a bloke that hasn't got much of a reputation elsewhere but has got this love rapport with Chelsea is the man that they deem as someone that's going to come in and change their fortunes. Um, mm-hmm. But you kind of have to also maybe say, the players need to own some some of that performance. They were the ones ultimately on the pitch. Um, and, you know, when you think of how much has been spent on that team, I'd be cursing at this team right now. I mean, they've just not shown any cojones about the way they've gone about mm-hmm. it. Um, it was embarrassing. It was just purely embarrassing. And that performance, I think, was just lightly tipping it. I think it should have been more. You know, Nunes hitting the post and bar various times. I mean, yeah. his shots. Like I'm missing you a penalty. And I think, that, you know, we can talk about Liverpool in a bit, but they just had to do the basics. And I think they were fortunate in the way that they gave Chelsea a goal in this match. I think, you know, they should have been concentrating a lot more. But back to Chelsea, very poor. We I do mean, have to say it was a very nice finish from Nkunku mm-hmm. and if they can yeah, get yeah. Nkunku yeah. fit and playing then yeah, they've yeah. got a very very good striker there but Francesco for me what was most concerning and it kind of talks about the how the club is run is that the best player on the pitch for me was Conor Gallagher and he's the player they've been desperately trying to sell for the entire of the entirety of January like, does it point out even more about the flaws in their recruitment that still, despite all the money they've spent, the best player on the pitch is a is an academy product? I mean, it's it's really strange when you look at Chelsea. It seems like in the past few years since Bowley arrived, they've just basically been buying the players that were the most expensive or the, the players that everybody wanted. Uh, and they were just matching any offers that uh, they were uh, asked to pay without really thinking of what type of team they were buying, uh, creating. Mm-hmm. Now with Pochettino, I think there's definitely, uh, as you were saying, no progress being clearly seen uh, in the way they play. Uh, but as I, we were discussing, uh, I remember um, saying that in football, there's not really the same approach that there is in other sports of trust to process. So 
I think, give time to someone who arrives in a team. Like, think of all the players that Chelsea offloaded in the summer window to Saudi Arabia, but also other teams, um, to make the squad lighter. And they still have still a very young squad. So I, I, I do recognize and I do think that because they have that price ticket on them, some of them should perform a bit more. But uh, they still have room to improve. And I think uh, they should give... The fans should give a bit more time to a team that hasn't really been doing that well regardless in the past few years. They have the title of being Chelsea, so there's a lot of expectation. But if you're in the process of rebuilding your team, you have to give them the time in order to accomplish it without expecting that you're going to win again in the first season or uh, mm -hmm. of sorts. Yeah, I think part of the issue, though, with Chelsea is the fact that they have been so accustomed to instant success. Like, they sack a manager, they win the league. The The manager wins the double, they sack him, they win the league again, whatever. Like, the the system that Abramovich had put in was chaotic, but it was very, very, very successful, right? And I think these, these fans have become accustomed to managers getting in and doing jobs very quickly yeah. and with teams that maybe necessarily they didn't pick or players they didn't pick or teams that aren't suited to them, they've come in, done a job, won cups, won leagues, even like, not even Sadi, he's a very good manager, but even Sadi, who was very, very unpopular, went in and won the European yeah. League, right? Yeah. You're welcome. But like, you know, but like, so they're used to that instant success. And I think that's what's going against Pochettino. But I think the most concerning thing is that there's just no yeah. sign of improvement. We do also have to say, though, that Chelsea should have had two penalties, I think. Um, I think the first one on Conor Gallagher is a stonewall penalty. I cannot believe that isn't given. Um, and the Van Dyke kick through on Kunku, I don't think it's as stonewall, but I think mm -hmm. I've seen them given, given in yeah. five or six games this yeah. season. Like, Adam, do you think Chelsea fans have a right? Like, obviously, the performance was terrible. They have yeah, no right to yeah. win this game. But both those decisions came at very key moments in the game. Like it was nil-nil when it was the mm. first penalty decision. Then it was only one-nil to Liverpool when the yeah. second penalty decision came, I think. So it was both at key times. Do you think Chelsea fans have a reason to be like annoyed about that? Yeah, I mean, look, there, there definitely is an opportunity that if that goal or penalty is given, then potentially that sways the way the match goes, potentially. But I think on the balance of it, I think... Liverpool were just too powerful in the respect of their quality. They were too much for Chelsea in that respect. So they, I think they would have got back into it regardless. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, decision-wise, probably you could say they should have got at least one of those decisions, definitely. Um, on another day, they probably do get it. And it's a bit weird that they didn't get it. But mm -hmm. these things happen, unfortunately. There's sometimes decisions that shouldn't go their way and they do get them. So... But I also think this also goes down to highlight a bit of Pochettino and that mentality at the moment that they still haven't got that mentality to overcome those kind of decisions and make the most of the kind of possession that they have sometimes. So, yeah, it just baffles me that they still persist with Cole Palmer up top. It, it's just <laughs> yeah. baffling, but it goes to show you that he's got very little trust in the current forward line that they've got available, right? Yeah. Because he's been playing a lot better, not up front, like yeah. on the wing or, or in behind, that number 10 role. Yeah. He's been absolutely killing it. So I don't know why you would put him out of position and decide to kind of take that form away from him or kind of try something that, yeah, if it isn't broke, mm. don't fix it kind of thing. But I think, again, and again, maybe this does point to what Pochettino's doing at the moment. It's just because there's no clear direction, he's just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what 
what sticks. works, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like maybe like me on Football Manager when I'm struggling. I was like, if I move this guy into midfield, will this make a difference? Yeah, exactly. Please, like if you know, just moving things around a screen, hoping it'll work. Like so, I think I kind of get that vibe from it at the minute. But Liverpool fans will be very annoyed. One in particular, my cousin, will be very annoyed that we we are consistently apparently not giving Liverpool enough credit. I've heard on WhatsApp <laughs> from him several times. So we need to talk talk about <laughs> Liverpool. Um, this was a incredibly impressive performance particularly from one player um Connor Bradley um he's mm-hmm. kind of been forced into the team through injuries um obviously the injuries to um Trent and to Simicast have kind of forced Klopp's hand and he's given this guy a start he was on loan at Bolton last season I want to say yeah. he made 41 yeah. appearances by all accounts kind of impressed Bolton fans were very pleased with him but I don't think anybody expected him to have such a good start to his Premier League career Every game he's come in, he's looked incredibly comfortable, incredibly accomplished. And this game, he got a a goal and two assists, I want to say, or a goal and an assist, um, and absolutely bossed it. Like, Francesco, were you impressed by this young player and Klopp is bringing a a few through at the moment? I mean, what a goal. I mean, the finish was that of a striker (laughs) for someone who plays a right back. And this is one of the first games you're Mm -hmm. you're having in the Premier League and you manage to... Put the ball in the back of the net with such ease it definitely shows a lot of promises. Um, I think Liverpool were brilliant. I mean, regardless of the penalty shouts that Chelsea had, uh, even though it was at key moments in the game, I think Liverpool were still dominating and uh, they probably wouldn't have gotten scared by um, having a penalty against them. Uh, Darwin Nunez up front was just creating so much chaos in the defense. He does that all the time. He just run a defense with that, uh, um, they call it Garra in uh, South America, uh, that uh, the Uruguayan or Argentinian player show. Uh, and that just opens up the space for two wingers such as Luis Diaz or uh, Jota to come and do their thing. They score, they have the space, they find a way to get in. Now, even the midfielders with uh, Sobotslai or McAllister. I think they really they're they're clicking so well together, thinking that they're doing it also without Salah, who has been key for them in the first half of the season, is really impressive and showing that they're really up for getting create giving as much of a challenge for the title to City. Uh, so it's uh, definitely uh, a, a, an exciting team to watch at the moment. Yeah, well, I think as you said, that front three in particular, like. I thought Luis Diaz was absolutely incredible this game. I thought it really like it yeah. really put Modric's performance into yeah. into perspective when you saw just how many problems Luis Diaz managed to manage to um managed to cause Chelsea. Obviously he's had a bit of a tough time recently, but it's it's great to see him back in full form. Like I remember just the sheer excitement of when he first came into the league and being like, Whoa, who the hell is this guy? Just tearing defenses apart. And Adam, it kind of feels like he's getting back towards that and he's starting to cause problems again right yeah yeah I think there was always that kind of element that he was going to come back to his best in terms of his football especially after the trauma that he had with his dad earlier in the season as well so I think you you know it's great to see him back showing the potential that he can do but I think it was also helped by Darwin Nunes as well because he was able to stretch those center backs as well you know, cause himself a bit of a menace at times. And, you know, it, it, I think you phrased it a few weeks ago really well. Uh, he's just chaotic, isn't he? He's just like mm-hmm. a Tasmanian devil. You just yeah. don't know what to expect from him. But when he can deliver, 
he's just superb. He just looks world class on his day. It's just on those days when it doesn't pull off or goes wayward or almost hits Ashton Witt in the face, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah that was, I'll hilarious. tell you what, that was pretty much pinpoint, to be fair. I thought that was quite accurate for him, to be fair. So he'd done quite well. Um, but I just wanted to pull out one stat about Connor Bradley as well that will highlight maybe a different player, but Anthony in 17 appearances has no assists and no goals. And Connor Bradley <laughs> has got, in just one match, got one goal and two assists, which is already better than Anthony. So never mind. <laughs> Manchester, I, I just heard Manchester United have offered 150 million. <laughs> yeah, They've just exactly. offered 150 million. They're just before the, 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 the deadline goes. Yeah, it's incredible. Honestly, I was really impressed by how much he's come in and just looked so, so comfortable. Even like, I know Bobby Clark um, comes on towards mm-hmm. the end and again, causes Chelsea problems. And like these players are coming into the team a little bit and Jurgen Klopp is really trusting the youth and it's it's good to see. And it's like, He's just able to take risks with this team. He's able to go like, you know what? They're getting in positions where you can give 10, 20 minutes at the end of a game to someone, if you know what mm. I mean. Um, I also just wanted to say Ibrahim Kanate again was fantastic. There was mm. some some defending that he did was just unbelievable. Some of the first touches, being able to like, you know, his press resistance and being able to keep the ball the and find the pass. Well. Yeah. 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 I thought he was just unbelievable. So fantastic performance from him. Um and Curtis Jones, once again, very good performance. Diogo Jota, a very determined goal. It got there in the end. Uh, it kind of fell more by accident than by design, but it was a very, very nice goal for him. Again, just incredible run of form. Having someone like that off the bench and kind of as a backup that can come in and have this impact really gives Liverpool a lot of strength. Just from an Arsenal point of view, I am very glad we're playing them at the Emirates and we've already <laughs> played them at Anfield. Um, it's like the one positive I can find is that, okay, we're playing them at the Emirates. That is a positive. At least we're not heading into this Klopp wank fest going into Anfield. That would be even worse, I think. Um, but incredible performance from Liverpool. Um, awful for Chelsea. But what did you expect, really? Um well, I think we're going to leave that game there, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and let's go to Tottenham 3, Brentford 2. Neil Mopai versus <laughs> James Madison. Now, I think James Madison might be the most mentally fragile player there is out there <laughs> because he gets rattled very, very yeah, quickly. Does, yeah. um, when Saka did the dart celebration against him, he like lost his shit. When, do you remember when he ended up shouting at Jeremy Clarkson on Twitter because Clarkson had said he needs to spend less time in the hairdressers and more time playing football? Um, I feel like he needs to just take a step back and be like, yeah. you know, it's not that deep, James. It's not that deep. And when you come up against a world-class shit-stirrer like Neil Mopai, you have to just accept, you know, you're never going to be able to compete. Just leave it, let him do what he's going to do and just accept defeat. My favourite moment, though, is James Madison thinking he's got one up on him yeah. in a post-match and going, oh, he's just not scored enough goals to have his own celebration for it to then be blatantly clear that Neil Mopai has more goals than him. And on Instagram, he says, I have more goals and less relegation. <laughs> yes. As an absolute yeah. final kick in the nuts. Um, so Neil Mopai definitely won the battle, but unfortunately lost the war um, as Tottenham won 3-2. Um a bit of a weird performance from Spurs, especially in the first half. It looked like Brentford were kind of easily the better team, I think. Tottenham didn't really have that bite. They couldn't get control of the game. Um, it didn't seem like they were playing at their normal flow. But then fair play to Ange, second half. Mm. He, I think he's very good at this. He knows how to affect games and he makes substitutions and it did change the game. 
But if we look at the first half, like Francesco, you said you were quite impressed by Brentford. You thought they were relatively decent, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've seen clips of the of the game. I've seen the, the highlights and looked like they had a few occasions to go more than one lap uh, and that they were mm-hmm. doing their usual set-piece shenanigans that always seems to create so much trouble for the Premier League teams. Uh, despite Brentford being in their third season in the Premier League, they're somehow still not man- manageable and still difficult to handle for uh, any team, which is impressive. Um, but then I think, as you said, uh, Ange just managed to bring on the right players at the right moment to turn the game around. And uh, they, then the, the Tottenham took the game uh, away and uh, finished by winning 3-2. Yeah, I think the the first, like, well, the goals were like 48, 49 and 56, right? The second one goes in, they're just rolling mm-hmm. then and it's kind of all about confidence, isn't it? Um, but Adam, they're now the top scorers in the Premier League. This is a very, very, very entertaining and attackingly effective team, right? Yeah, when, when you're not containing them, then they are just explosive. They just have this nature. We saw Ange do this with Celtic and he's starting to see a flourish of that kind of behaviour now happen with Spurs. I think uh, Werner's now kind of proving that that was quite a shrewd bit of business. I mean, you can see he's getting his sharpness up now, and on moments against Brentford, he he just looks like he was on a mission to try and just tackle down that wing and just bring it into inside of play. And you could just see that just it was almost like triangles that they were doing, just bombing the ball between the three mm-hmm. and just walking. And it's just that kind of rhythm. They seem to be just completely bought into that system that Ange has introduced. But um, you have to say respect to Brentford to um, change it up. And almost I feel like I think Ange summed it up perfectly. He kind of said that they paid too much respect to Brentford. I think they were wary of what Brentford could do, mm-hmm. especially on set pieces. Um, and, you know, when you've got two live wires like Ivan Tony and Neil Malpe, you know it's not going to be a straightforward match for those defenders mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, I think they were probably paying too much respect in that first half, but like you allude to, the substitutes did make the impacts. You know, Brennan Johnson starting to prove that he can do something as yeah. well. I mm-hmm. heard there was a lot of criticism before, like the last few games ago. So, you know, I think it's starting to pay off really well and they've done some fantastic business in this window as well which is reinforced I would say I think they're better off now than they were before the window actually started so that goes to show you they've been very astute about their business and yeah I think people should be worried about what they can do going forward as well because you think Son's going to come back into this I don't know how Mm. he's going to fit who is he going to displace but that's a bit of a nice dilemma for you know and maybe do you know what maybe gives Son an opportunity to rest no, I mean that yeah, that absolutely. in itself could be huge for them right now as well. So yeah. that that I mean in itself, I think people are going to be very wary of Spurs. But there is an element that there is something to be got at with Spurs. Still, I think there's an element that if they play a high line, they're going to stick to that principle. So you know, Chelsea proved that you don't have to play fantastically well, but you can exploit yeah. it as well. So 
Yeah. Well, they say, I think at some point there is going to be a a compromise when it gets mm. like when they start challenging for things and when they start kind of getting involved in races. I think there will be compromises. But for now, it's incredible football to watch. Um, I am very worried about what they could do if that does help. <laughs> um, it does worry me. But I think the point on Son is very interesting because obviously Spurs have just been for the last couple of years, Kane and Son have to play every minute yeah. of every game. Otherwise, they can't win a game, right? And for them to be able to... Even take him off after 70 minutes would be a luxury. It's like Arsenal with Saka, mm. right? We have to play him every minute. If we had, we could take him off after 70 minutes yeah. and bring someone else on. It would solve a lot of problems. So I think this this does kind of, as you said, it's, it has to be a good thing for, mm. for Spurs. So a very, very good win for them. I do just need to say, though, I think Brentford, some of their behaviour in this game was genuinely embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, was embarrassing um, yeah. There was a lot of like games. What If you're being polite, you would say gamesmanship. gamesmanship yeah. but. I think the fall from Nathan Collins in the area yeah, is genuinely yeah. embarrassing. I think that leads to the goal being disallowed, right? Mm. So it gets called as a foul. It's definitely not a foul. Um, and it seemed like their only plan for the game was to just wind Spurs up, which I can fully get behind, but mm. I don't know if that's how you win games. Like, do you think, um, Adam, do you think that Thomas Frank maybe got this one a little bit wrong in terms of like, man management or the conduct yeah it's not it's not something i've associated with brentford either it's mm, not necessarily yeah, with their yeah. kind of game so for them to kind of change to this kind of philosophy for this particular game seems a bit odd obviously they must have crept up on this kind of thought based on something that maybe the tactical analysis saw but i personally wouldn't have gone down this line i mean it seems pretty level-headed I would say, generally mm-hmm. Spurs. I mean, if you're doing it to Christian Romero, I could understand you're probably trying to get him a red card, right? But they, they were doing it at people that I don't think were going to naturally kind of react necessarily. And I think that was just, yeah, bad, badly kind of fought out. And I'm, I'm a bit disappointed in that respect because first half, they actually demonstrated that, you know what, they can play a bit as well. And, just, and they've been one of the best in terms of set pieces as well. So they should have played to their strengths, I feel sometimes and especially mm-hmm. with Ivan Tony yeah. you should have been looking at how you can exploit that defense and get him into those kind of positions so I think there was definitely a missed opportunity especially the position that they're in as well like it's yeah. not a position where they can afford to throw away these kind of games just for the sake of trying something different I think they should have gone with a game plan and yeah first half maybe they should have just carried it through but yeah unfortunately it just folded didn't it for them yeah, and the last thing on this, uh, Francesco Vicario is becoming a bit of a cult hero at Spurs. He, of course, got in a fight at the end with Ivan, to- Ivan Tony. He apparently said, I hope you didn't put a bet on the game <laughs> at the end of the match to him. Um, I think I've read that somewhere as a quote. That he said, I hope you didn't put a bet on the result. And that caused a huge fracas <laughs> on the pitch. Um, Francesco, is it good to see... Are you enjoying seeing Vicario doing so well at Spurs? Because... I think he could be Italy number one ahead of Donnarumma at this rate. Uh, it's good to see him perform uh, so well, especially he's coming from Empoli, which is wasn't it's not a big club in uh, Serie A, so nobody really had any expectation. I think that helped a lot. Uh, there wasn't so much pressure. He was replacing Lloris, but people didn't really know what to expect, so they, they couldn't really judge him until he started proving himself. Uh, but I think he's definitely will be one of the most consistent player of Spurs uh, this season. Uh, and I was also quite happy to see uh, the mm-hmm. performance of uh, Udoji. Uh, I think he's been doing very well at Spurs. Uh, I think it's very important for Italy to have 
now a few options at in the left flank with him and Di Marco. Uh, that's definitely a good um, problem to have on who to pick for Spalletti. He's starting yeah, yeah, to push yeah. a bit more forward, uh, which is good to see. Scoring goals, assisting. He's always been solid uh, defensively. Still think he can improve, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to see both of them perform well for Spurs. Yeah, it is good. It's great to see. Well, Vicario was a player we were talking about on the pod last year when he was at Empoli. We were like, someone should be looking at this goalkeeper. He looks very... He saved them. They were, they were always in trouble, Empoli, and he saved them a lot mm-hmm. last year. So it's good to see him doing so well. I was really annoyed when he went to Spurs. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's a really good signing. Um, but we're going to leave Spurs and Brentford there. And we're going to go to... Before we, I am self-indulgent and we talk about Arsenal, I forgot about arguably the biggest result of the week. Luton Town 4, Brighton nil. Um, this was not... I don't think anybody... I don't think Ivan Tony had this on his accumulator. <laughs> I would be very surprised. Um, but Adebayo hat-trick. Um, mm. in, interesting little dig here for no reason. He's got a Premier League hat-trick before uh, Marcus Rashford. Bit mad, that. Um, but his first Premier League hat-trick... Goals in the first minute and Irish wonder boy Chedozi Ogbene getting a goal in the third minute. Um, Sambi Lakonga balling out, finally getting a home and playing some football. Ross Barkley killing it. It all just seems like at the moment, Luton are having a bloody good season. Now, we know that Brighton are prone to just throw in games. Like every so often, like the Villa when they got done 6 mm, 1 yeah. or whatever it was, right? Every so often, they just completely collapse and things go wrong. We'll talk about Brighton as well, by the way. But first, we need to talk about Luton. Adam, this is an incredible result, right? And Luton are having... They're in the cup. They're out of the relegation zone. Like, Rob Edwards is doing an incredible job. Yeah, hugely impressive when you think about the circumstances of everyone wrote them off. They didn't buy big. They didn't necessarily have the maybe the stature of being a Premier League club to begin with. Um, but they're proving everyone wrong with the work ethic, the way they've approached it, you know. It's taken them a while to adapt to the Premier League. We remember those first few games. We were a bit worried about what they could actually do in this season. And they've brushed it to the side and starting to get some momentum. And like you say, players like Adebayo, um, who, when you look at his history as well, like the clubs that he's been at prior to like joining Luton, you know, he's kind of worked himself from being released at Fulham, ending up at Slough, then kind of going through these like little smaller clubs before building his reputation and then being picked up by Luton. That goes to show you that the type of players that they scout for are players that really want to make a name for themselves. Maybe not necessarily at the quality at that moment in time, but they're proving it even with the kind of um, transfers that they're doing in this window. They're buying for the future. They're buying for what they believe is the right philosophy that fits in with their standing. And Rob Edwards, a lot of credit has to go to him. I mean, if they manage to stay up, he should be a contender for like manager of the season because oh, without know, a doubt, you know yeah, the way the style of football as well is definitely appeasing. You know, maybe not to everyone, but certainly, I mean, they can mix it up. This is the thing. It's like, not terrible. No, no, but it's not right. like it's not peak Sam Allardyce. Like I think no, no, when no, they break, the like. They've got players that are technically good. They can pass exactly. the ball about. It's not that cynical, I don't think. No, and they're tactically very clever. If you look at what they mm-hmm. did from the kickoff of Brighton, they knew straight away what they were weak- weakened in terms of like they don't like pressure because they like to apply the pressure on other teams. When they get it, they seem to struggle. And there's certain players that when they don't have the right pass, they let those opportunities open because you saw 
the space kind of open up, especially when Adebayo basically buys that kind of first into a, um, I think he blocks it essentially. But yeah, he gets that possession back for Luton immediately, gets himself a bit of a nuisance in the box. So he doesn't necessarily have any influence on the ball. But when the ball goes to him, he knows where he's got to stand. And with Ogbeni as well, that goal was typical of him exploiting that space because he, you know, he shouldn't have no divine right to run into that space. But he gets ahead mm-hmm. of the goalkeeper who rushes out because there's no defenders in front of him. So you see yeah. that's the Zerbi ball. And we know with the Zerbi, it goes one of two ways. It either looks amazing because they obliterate teams. But on the other hand, like you rightly allude to, Aston Villa, it can absolutely look appalling. It can just <laughs> look like it's only one way it's going to be played. So... Um, fair play to Luton and I was looking at a fixture list obviously they needed that victory because they've got some kind of tough games coming up you know some big teams but then the interesting thing is they've still got to play a lot of those teams that they're fighting alongside so Sheffield United at home in a few weeks time they've got the likes of I believe Everton to play still at their place Mm -hmm. as well so there's a few fixtures there that are kind of considered I would say big six pointers but Providing they go and, you know, maybe have a respectable run in the next few games, because I think it's Man United, Arsenal, they've got to play, Tottenham They've got some rough well. games coming mm-hmm. up. They've got they've Newcastle got away. They've got North Sheffield London, United at home, which is massive. United at home, Liverpool away, mm-hmm. City at home, Villa at home. Villa at home. Then they've got Tottenham and Arsenal. Yeah. Like, it's there's a lot of big games coming out. Yeah. Yeah, so it's massive for them in that respect. So if they can get through that, and I was looking at even, if you think about Everton, not in the greatest form at the moment. They've got to play some big teams as well still. So it's going to be interesting as it goes along. But Sorry. Laughing. United were 3-0 up. <laughs> it's 3-3. It's, oh, brilliant. It's 4-3, actually. I just... I'm sorry. Just, oh, my God. I've just been watching it. I'm like, please, Wolves, get a goal. Please, Wolves, get a goal. That is... It's 4-3 oh, three. Three United, four, Jesus yeah, Christ. United, no. I, this is what happens when you laugh at someone Kobe Mainu, bite you in the arse immediately. Mainu in the 97th minute. Jesus Christ, I've escaped that one. Oh my God. We're going to have to watch the wow. highlights. Yeah. Sorry, guys, we're recording as the game goes on, obviously. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Adam, but I, no. I, I got very excited then. God, <laughs> never mind. Um, but, oh, Francesco, let's talk about Brighton. Um Deserbi, it's now three wins in 16 games for Brighton. Um, Low-key, the form is absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. Now, is this just the fact that this is their first season in Europe? um, They're getting used to playing midweek, midweek weekend, midweek weekend. Or is it people figuring out Deserbi and him not adopting and adapting to the tactics? What do you what do you put it down to? Because it's a little bit concerning now. Yeah, I think it's probably a bit of both. Uh, they definitely, uh, I don't think they have the depth to be competing in Europe and in the Premier League at the level they were last season uh, yet. Uh, they had a few key injuries quite early on, likes of uh, Mitoma and Cesar. Um, got injured quite quickly, and uh, their player that really impacted to, uh, to their uh, their performance. Uh, they also obviously lost Casado, which was a huge influence in the midfield. And and I think that teams also have, as you said, Adam, before they're starting to figure out how to play uh, against the Zerbi teams, who like to invite the pressure. Uh, further up into their half and then play those quick tri- triangles 
to build, quickly bring the ball uh, up front. Um, so I think it's a combination of both. I hope and I'm confident that Zerbi will manage to uh, invent something and get them back on track. Uh, I'm confident because he's proving it uh, in other situations. And I hope because I think he's a brilliant coach and... I hope that he sometime. I hope one day he'll come to Juventus. That was kind of my dream when I saw him uh, going to uh, to Brighton and the way he was performing. I was hoping that maybe he does a few years in uh, the Premier League, does well with Brighton, and then we call him up to uh, to Juventus. Mm. That would be quite interesting. I to do see. think there'll be a homecoming at some point. He'll definitely be in the Serie yeah. A right, at some point. One yeah. of the big teams. I think it. I think it's only a matter of time, yeah. really. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll turn it around. It's just a little bit of a dip there and a little bit of a like, oh, what can Brighton expect from this mm-hmm. season? Now, obviously, if they go far in the Europa League, they won't give a crap where they finish in the Premier League because they're not going to go down, obviously. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? I think their focus could be Europa League and really push for something properly historic there. So they've got a genuine chance. I think oh, they've got an outside chance, haven't they? Um, but we're going to leave Luton and Brighton there. Fantastic win for Luton. Absolutely huge Good work, Rob Edwards. We love everything you're doing. And we're going to go to the city ground as Arsenal 2, Nottingham Forest 1. We've done it. We've broken a few curses, right? We broke the Goodison Park curse recently, and we've now broken... We broke the Man City curse, and now we've broken the city ground curse. Um, Watching Arsenal is so bloody frustrating. Um, We have, I think, the field tilt at one point, or our possession was like 81%. And in the first half, we had around 200 passes in their final third and they had one in ours. Like, it was one of the most one-sided games I've ever seen. Um, Nottingham Forest with the definition of a low block. Every team's played a low block against us this year, but that was a low block. Um, Mm. But eventually, despite Gabriel Jesus doing his best to miss all of the chances, he did get his... He scored from the impossible angle and missed the easiest chances going, which is classic Gabriel Jesus. Um, And Bakayo Saka scoring with his right foot, which is always beautiful to see. You can see the defender trying to put him on his left and he goes, all right, and just hits it with his right into the bottom corner. And you're like, we'll take that. Absolutely have that. But of course... With it being classic Arsenal, we still make it difficult for ourselves. Um, Taiwo Awanee scores against us again. Um, some poor defending from Saliba. I think Awanee should mm. do uh, Saliba should do better there, but Awanee is very, very strong. Um, he manages to win the ball and scores against us again. And the last few minutes... Now, the last few minutes of this game, the missus was trying to talk to me about something quite important. And I was like, this is just bad timing. And I was like trying to like trying to make sure that we didn't concede in the last four minutes. And she was like looking at me like, can you just listen? I'm like, just not now. Just any any time but now. Just wait for this game to finish. But thankfully, we did the final whistle blew and she wasn't too angry at me. And we got the win. Um, but Adam, do you think this win puts Arsenal in a bit of good form heading into the Liverpool game? Obviously, the 5-0 win against Palace this win against Forest, it was really important for us to get this win, I think. Yeah, it puts you in a positive place because otherwise, you know, Man City and Liverpool are probably running away with this at this stage mm-hmm. now. Uh, you know, Man City have got a game in hand as it currently stands. Even if they win that, they're still three points behind Liverpool as it currently stands in the table. But I'm sure that's all going to change 
but yeah, I mean, it, it, it does put you in a great position going into Sunday with something that you need to get now. It's now the pressure is on Arteta and on Arsenal to deliver and try and get something back if they want to be kind of considered as kind of title opportunists for this season anyway, um, because it's it's going to be difficult. Um, if you want to be in that mix, you have to kind of make a mark now. Um, it's all chips or nothing, basically, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you say, really important win against Nottingham Forest, who, you know, of late, you know, they've been showing that they can pull off some important results. You know, they've done quite well, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just wasn't their day on in particular during the midweek. They just seemed off the pace and Montiel was pulled apart at times defensively. He looks, yeah. it, there was something quite funny on another podcast where they said, obviously he scored the winning goal for Argentina. So nothing can eclipse that right now. But every time he's compared to anything he does, it's like, yeah. wasn't that the guy that scored the, guy the penalty, who scored the penalty, the penalty yeah. in the World yeah. Cup? What's happened to him? Like, how, how has he ended up at Nottingham Forest and he's being torn apart by yeah, Arsenal? You've com- but- yeah, he's, he's, kind of, he's kind of completed football. He has kind of completed <laughs> yeah. football. Might um, as well just retire, But right? the players, the, the, a player of theirs I was very impressed with is Murillo at the back. Yes. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a player he is. Like, I think in a few years or in a season, two seasons, there are teams Could be. Yeah. higher up the table sniffing around that guy. He looked mm. so composed, so strong. On the ball, he was fantastic. I thought very, very, very impressed with him. Um, so, yeah, great performance for him. But thank God Arsenal got the win. Saka now in a lovely bit of form and Gabriel Jesus scoring. So I can't argue with that. But who can argue is Ben White and Zinchenko on the pitch <laughs> at the end going a bit mad at each other, which I kind of love to see. Because, of course, the goal we conceded was a ball over Zinchenko's head. Yeah, at some point, we need to address Zinchenko not being able to figure out the physics of a ball in the air and turn it just happens so often and i just know that diogo jota at the weekend will liverpool will are just in. looking at yeah. that and going if zinchenko plays and he kind of has to because we've got so many injuries that ball over the top is going to be every five minutes every 30 seconds that is going to be what they're aiming for so i think we really need to look at Do you how think, we address that because i think ben white was genuinely in the right to say to him you played him on side you need to figure out your bloody positioning do you like, think uh, Arteta goes into Saturday, Sunday's match even trying to f- change the formation? Do you think he'll consider Jakub Kivor at that position? I think he might go for Kivor because with some games, and this is, I'm kind of, oh no, I'm stealing this from um, Ars Blog, which is the fantastic um, Arsenal podcast for anyone who's mm-hmm. listening. But they talk about games that are Zinchenko games and not Zinchenko games. Yes. And when there's, funnily enough, when it's the big teams, they're not Zinchenko games no. because you need to be defensively more solid. So like when we played um, Liverpool last year and we won 3-2 at the Emirates, it was Tommy Yasu who played left back. And Tommy Asu shut down Saka because mm. defen- um, Salah, because defensively he's just much more solid. Yeah. He is a defender. Mm-hmm. Zinchenko, we all know, isn't really a defender, right? Yeah. So, like, I think for a game like this, I would be tempted to play Kivior left back, but I'm also very aware that he's not actually a left back. He is a left centre back, mm. if you know what I mean. So yeah. you're kind of asking him to almost do a job that isn't his job. But I think the defensive solidity that he would give us might not be a bad idea. What I really want is Japan to be out of the Asian <laughs> Cup so that we can have Tommy Yasu back. But we're not in a perfect world. So I think maybe, I think Arteta has a decision to make because mm. you just know Klopp is going to be aiming for that point. That and position, especially yeah. 
you know, Salah's injured for his country, but now there's pictures of him training at Liverpool and running and stuff. So you know he's going to make appearance at the weekend. Mm-hmm. He's definitely going to make an appearance. So I think Salah coming up against him could be scary because when we drew at Anfield last time, it was Salah who nutmegged Zinchenko that got them the first goal. That If you know what I mean, and all the... Yeah, I just, just think also he Klopp like cleverly will kind of swap Luis Diaz and potentially oh, Jota yeah. on either side. So at one point he's going to face someone that's a bit more direct and someone that's going to use trickery as well. So it's just one of those positions where Zinchenko in particular he can get pulled out at times. And Zinchenko for me has always been more of a kind of central midfielder, which is mm-hmm. why I think to a degree this is why Man City sold him to Arsenal. Because actually yeah. they didn't feel comfortable. He did a great job in terms of filling into that position, but he wasn't there for the long term. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if that gets exploited on the weekend. I really like it. And we're a much better team when he plays. That's the problem. You look at the results and the statistics and everything, we are better when he is on the pitch. It's just that one Achilles heel that he has that happens to make us concede so many goals. every Every other metric, he makes us better. It's just that one and thing. For me, it's Rory, like, it's... the annoying thing is Kieran Tierney. That would be the perfect solution right now for this match. If he was ever fit, he would have had a career at Arsenal. I just think Arteta knew that you cannot count on him for a third of the season, half of the season, every season he will be out injured. And I think mm. it's that's ultimately, I think, what's got him out the door, unfortunately. Now, trust me, I, I thought Kieran Tierney was going to be future Arsenal captain. I wanted him to be future mm. Arsenal captain. I love the bloke. I just think the fitness issues were just too much. Mm. And now he's injured again at Sociedad. And you're like, yeah. it, it just, the guy's, it, it happens to players, doesn't it, unfortunately. Yeah. But he would be, a fit Kieran Tierney would definitely do the job. I think yeah. would definitely do the job. But we're going to leave Arsenal there. I didn't mean to talk about them that much, <laughs> but of course we went over. Um, and just very quickly, Aston Villa going for a bit of a blip as well. Um, they lose 3-1 at home. Fabian Shaw, just a very, very lovely goal. Mm-hmm. Such a great player. All-rounder. He's just an all-rounder. Very good at everything, I think. Yeah, um, But a huge win for Newcastle. Uh, Moreno, our favourite, gets an own goal, of course. And Watkins gets his goal. But Aston Villa's run of... Um, yeah, his unbeaten run at looks, home is done. That's it. It's over. Um, it was impressive while it lasted, but it is done. And finally... Let's talk about, very quickly, Eberechi Eze getting two goals. Uh, And Michael Elise putting on a show. Just what lovely footballers. It's incredible. Like, Francesco, did you see this performance? They're really fishing Roy out of the shit here. I think they were trying to advertise themselves to other clubs and say, come and get us. Save us from this situation. Get away. (laughs) I mean, we already talked already how brilliant both Eze and Elise are there. Pure talents that should play yeah. in uh, much better teams. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they they're, they're incredible players, uh, and uh, I hope that someone will pick them up at some. Arsenal just take one of them. I don't even care which one. <laughs> just one of them. <laughs> and elsewhere, Man City beat Burnley three one. Of course they did, and. Wolves United has just finished 4-3. God damn it. And West Ham 1, Bournemouth 1. Dominic Solanke scoring again. What a season he's having. Well, guys, we are going to take just, a very... Ooh. Just one point ooh. on the Man City and Burnley. Have you seen the total aggregate in the head-to-heads? Um, oh, I, God, I've, yeah. It's quite depressing, but I've, I've lost count after 2019 season. I was counting 41 goals for Man City versus Burnley's 3. Um, so... 
They don't have a fantastic record. In amongst that, there's been two back-to-back five nils as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> just just dreadful. I, I don't know. I'm not sure how. Big, there... I know it's Man City, but I'm not sure how company's still in a job. Exactly. I, don't I was going to raise it. this question: Do yeah. you think company's doing a good job? No. Yeah. No. Rob Edwards is doing a good exactly. job. Exactly. Right? You were comparing yeah. to what what uh, Rob Edwards is doing at at Luton, and uh, at least they're getting the results. I mean, the thing with Burnley is, yes, you can see that they're trying to do something and they're playing some nice football at moments, but they lack so much concreteness. Mm-hmm. They they don't deliver in any possible yeah. way. So uh, at some point, if they want to stay up, mm-hmm. they have to change something. Either they already knew know that they're gonna go down, and they're like, okay, we know it's gonna happen. Let's just make the best of the season and keep the coach because again, trust the process. We like the like he did amazing last year in the championship. So if he gets more experience under his belt, gets young players, and uh, we'll get back up quite quickly. And this this time we'll be more ready. Otherwise, if they want to stay up, I think they need to change something. And uh, at this point, with the window closed, they cannot change the players. They can only change the coach. Yeah. Well, I think I know it's new owners, but Burnley did the same with Sean Dyche, didn't they? They went down, stuck with him, and then he took them back up again, and it was yeah. a bit more solid. Yeah. I know it's I know it's new owners, but maybe they've kind of gone, oh, well, it worked last time. Look, we can use the money from the Premier League, bring in some better players, and maybe it will be more ready next mm. time. But I don't know. It's not been much fun for Burnley fans, I imagine, <laughs> no. this season. Um, and they probably can't wait for it to end. But... Um, what is going to end is this part of the show as we are done with the Premier League, I think. So we're going to take a very quick break and we are going to come back and discuss the massive Serie A and Premier League weekends ahead. We will see you on the other side. My name is Massimo Morales and you are listening to Anglo-Italian Podcast. We are back and it's time to finally look forward to the se- to the next weekend in Serie A as is the game that we've been looking about for months, for weeks. We've been waiting for this fixture to appear. It's all building up nicely. Um, Francesco, um, Allegri has been attempting some mind games, but not to much avail. <laughs> um, he's, I like how Simone Inzaghi's kind of refused to reply to him, but what have you thought of Allegri trying to get a rise out of him? He's been saying some strange things about the thief and the burglar or I couldn't keep up with what he was trying to say. Uh, basically, he's trying to downplay what uh, Juve's, uh, we, we've been doing so far. He says that we're we're the one that need to catch up, uh, that we're going to be there and uh, if the occasion arises, we'll, uh, we'll take first spot. Um, but he's always trying to downplay our opportunities. He always wants to keep it low-key so there's no much, too much expectation so that the other team doesn't come uh, Thinking that they're playing the the better team and uh, but it's going to be a I, I think with the form that both team have been in uh, I think it's going to be an exciting game and um, mm-hmm. I think Inter have a bit of more of an edge because they have a game in hand they know that if an, if they get one point of, out of this game then they win the other one they're even more ahead so it's um, it's going to be interesting we've been playing quite. Well, let's say we at Juventus. Uh, in the last uh, few games, we've scored a lot of goals, more than we ever did in the first half of the season. And and even with the Empoli, we drew, uh, but we were playing with 10 men for most of the game and we could have easily 
we won that game. We were a bit unlucky to concede an amazing goal from uh, uh, Baldanzi. And, um, but I think we played very well. We showed resilience. We showed determination. The, the players are clicking. Vlaovic is in incredible form. So uh, we're going there to put up a fight, I hope. I hope we're not going there to uh, just look at what Inter do, uh, let them play and, uh, and uh, score a... Three or three goals. Well, this is is kind of an interesting one because Allegri has to go to win this game, right? There's no, yeah. mm-hmm. he can't he can't go and get a draw, like and just be like, okay, job done, let's get out of here. Like, do you think this is something that Allegri's gonna, without sounding like too sarcastic, is it something that Allegri's gonna find difficult that you have to actually go and be on the front foot and you can't you can't just try and score one and sit back. Um... Well, very difficult to say because Allegri is a very um, shrewd tactician mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that he also considered the fact that uh, Inter will soon have the Champions League to play. We don't have any cups this year besides the Coppa Italia. Uh, so that gives us a bit of more of an edge. Um, I think he will consider the fact that as long as he keeps the distance with Inter not too... Um, if we don't get too far behind them, the moment they slip up, we can get up front, okay. and that will give us a bit more of a of an edge because this is a scudetto that's for Inter to lose more than for win, Juve to win. So I think that he has that in mind. So on Sunday, I really I hope we'll go there to to win, but it will really depend on uh, how also Inter approach the game because they could be the one that also decide to sit back and wait. It was really weird on the first uh, in the first half of the season when we played at the uh, at Torino. In Torino um, the game almost felt like both teams were like, yeah, we're good with a draw. One one is fine for both of us. We won't really try anything. Yeah, and you didn't. Re- nobody really understood why and how. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope this one won't be anything like that. <laughs> I think I think it's going to be a very, very, very different game, I imagine. But yeah. um, Adam, for Inter, as Francesco kind of alluded mm. to, this isn't obviously it's not a free hit, right? This is a massive opportunity, but no. they do have that game in hand. Do you think psychologically it gives them a little bit of a boost? That and the fact that Inter, I think, are playing the more kind of free-flowing, expressive football right do you think they have the psychological upper hand here potentially i think they take a lot of heart of last week's result against fiorentina mm-hmm. where they were missing chalonoglu and barilla for example who were suspended um they'll be available for this match and i think that plays a huge part in terms of how they approach it i mean obviously it wasn't their best match against fiorentina they'll probably be the first ones to admit that it wasn't the perfect match for them but they grounded out the results and I think they were fully deserving of three points in the end. I know Fiorentina had their chances and there could be a few controversial moments in those matches where you could bring it up and say maybe Fiorentina deserved a point out of it. But personally, I felt Inter used their gamesmanship really well in this particular match. And I think they take also a kind of note of what Juventus' result against Empoli. I think Empoli were unlucky on occasions, especially... Look, I think what would have frustrated Allegri a lot more is Akedish Milik getting sent off for that stupid challenge that he did. And, you know, although Milik doesn't score a lot, he can be a bit of a nuisance in the box. And I think he will miss that presence coming off the bench 
potentially for these kind of big matches. Now, there's a guy in Moses Kane who he was trying to move on to Atletico. Um, he might introduce him now into the fold, which would be fascinating to see because, you know, at points in the season, it did look like, you know, we, we were starting to see Kane get some, like, form. And it looks like he was something of a spark for Juventus. Um, but now that you've got maybe potentially Alcaraz now being brought in for this match, maybe as a sub, I mean, what a hell of a debut that could be for the kids. I mean, we, we both rate <laughs> him. This could be incredible moment for him to make a name. Um, but as Francesco rightly alludes to, Dusan Flavic is on fire. He's demonstrating the form that we saw at Fiorentina. He's becoming a nuisance. We know he can be a bit of a shit house when it comes to defenders marking him as well, you know, going down easily for challenges um, and, you know, just making himself known to those defenders, right? Um, but I think Inter will approach this in the same manner that they have done this season. They'll look to outplay the opposition. They'll look to play out the back. And, you know, I think they'll try and dominate that midfield. I think the midfield battle is going to be the fascinating bit about this match because we know about both offensively about how uh, Turam and Martinez are dangerous no matter which combination you go through. And, yeah, I think this is going to be a real test for defence of Juventus. But I think the key battle is going to be that midfield. Who's going to dominate? Who Who's going to create the most opportunities in this match? it could be one that Allegri plays out for a draw. Mm -hmm. He won't admit it, but he, he will go for a draw. And I think he'll be happy if he goes out of the San Siro with one point. But for Inzaghi, a draw wouldn't be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It would mean that they haven't conceded. I think the problem is that what we've started to find with Inzaghi in particular is he's starting to try and win these head-to-heads a lot more. He's trying to dominate it. He's, mm -hmm. you know, there's been in the past where Inzaghi, would, Inzaghi teams even would dominate the play, but just wouldn't get the result. Yeah. Whereas now we're starting to see him kind of grind out these results. And that, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if they try and scrape out a one nil win. That's all they need at the end of the day. I, just need a win. So I think the, the main thing is that Inter have a lot of strings to their bow. I think if they want to grind out a 1-0 win, they can do it. If they want to go and win 4-5-0, yeah. they can do it. If they want to play fantastic they football, yeah. they can do it. If they want to play defensive football, they can do it. I feel like they're really a very adaptable team. And that is just coaching from Inzaghi and like obviously the commitment of the players. But I feel like we're really seeing... like Whereas with Juventus, it feels like Allegri has one move or one kind of like idea. Mm. I feel like Inter are able to adapt to, to a post opponents and they're able to adapt mid-game and be like okay no this is a game that we do need to just grind out okay we go into mm -hmm. grind out mode so I feel like the fact that Inter have a few more strings to their bow could really make it a bit or a lot more difficult for Juventus but I think this as with Inter always the battle is in their heads <laughs> and in the San Siro <laughs> and like if yeah. it starts badly yeah. the San Siro gets nervous very very quickly I've been there yeah, and it gets very, very fucking nervous so I feel like <laughs> if it starts badly then you can see Pazza Inter starting to come out and you're like oh god where's this gonna go so I think it's all it's all psychological it's all psychological but it's gonna be a fantastic game it's gonna be a fantastic game and uh, Alcaraz very quickly I'm super excited to see what he can do in Serie A like Francesco yeah. you were asking us about him and he's for Southampton I just remember when he came off the bench a few times and just all of a sudden he was like running through defences tearing teams apart Morning. 
I remember the game at the Emirates when our kind of title challenge started to disappear and he just ran through us and we were like, where the frig has this guy come from? Like just really dynamic, aggressive, attacking player, technically fantastic. Hmm. I think in that midfield or just behind the strikers at Juve, he could be very, very exciting. Just a bit more of a forward threat from that midfield. So I feel like we've talked about McKenney doesn't quite have the output that an attacking midfielder needs. Um, I feel like Alcaraz could kind of give you a few more goals from midfield. Like, it could be a really, really interesting one. That Also, a very interestingly timed story today that Rabiot is apparently joining Inter on a free at the end of the season. I don't know how true that is, but it was very, very interestingly timed. So whoever linked leaked that knows exactly what they're doing, I think. But I'm going to push us all, because it's a big yeah. game, I'm going to push we'll us all for a prediction. Francesco, your score prediction. I'm going to put you on the spot. What are you saying? Oof. Oof. Very tough. Um, I want to say 2-2. Two, two, two. Two. I'll take that. Score draw. Um, I'll take that. Adam? Mm, it's not bad. I think there will be goals, go and, uh, but I think that hopefully we manage to secure a point. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Score prediction? So I am going to go for 2-1 Inter. 2-1 into nice. I'm going to go for an into winners. I'm going to say, sorry, Francesco, I'm going to go 3-1. I'm going to say into get the lead and then they get another one just at the end as Juve are pushing. So I'm going to say 3-1 into. We apologize, Francesco. We will be talking about it on Monday and we can like help you, uh, you know, deal with it afterwards or celebrate. We know who knows, who knows. Um, but we'll see. Else, we'll see elsewhere in Serie A. I don't know what's going on elsewhere in Serie A. Um, the games you wanted to talk about: Atalanta, Lazio. Skamaka scoring for Atalanta last time. Atalanta back in the top four. They're quietly having a very good season. Francesco, Lazio having a very disappointing season. How do you see this game going? Do you think Atalanta yes. can keep pushing for Champions League? Uh, I think they've been playing very well. Uh, they've picked up the form. They've been a bit up and down the beginning of the season. But since mostly Skamaka, since Skamaka has been, been fit uh, up front, I think they've been playing quite uh, more, a bit more offensive football and uh, they've been a bit more solid. And... Um, I mean, they. I think they will definitely push for the Champions League spot. Um, I really rate Coop Miners in the midfield. He's been linked to Juventus a few times. I do hope it's a player we try and get because I think he would be a, a good uh, addition to to our team. Um, Lazio, as we already discussed uh, last time, I think the. The, the, the missing Milinkovic Savic, they probably underestimated uh, how much he had an impact uh, for the, on the team. The Immobili hasn't performed this year as he's been making us use to uh, in the past season. Uh, so it will be an interesting game because uh, Atalanta sometimes they completely <laughs> miss the game and they end up losing a three nil. Uh, randomly, but if they do get uh, the the right approach and manage to uh, get the first goal, then they could easily also win for Neo. It's really a, a flip of the coin. I feel the a game Lazio Atalanta, especially with the form that both teams have been. 
Yeah, no, well, it, that's what makes it so interesting, right? And Adam, Lazio, they're only two points behind Atalanta, mm. though, but they are all the way down in seventh because it is so tight up there. They're unbeaten in yeah. five, four wins and a draw. They're not playing the most exciting football. They're not having the most exciting season. But do you think Lazio can come here yeah. and be like, right, let's try and get something, blow this tight, this Europe mm-hmm. race wide open? Yeah, I mean, we, we can also kind of say Atalanta are not the most consistent of sides. Sometimes they can go hot and cold as well. So this is a good opportunity for Sari to get something over Gasparini here. I I, fe- I feel like Lazio will win this match, potentially, um, because, yeah, I, I know for all the qualities that Atalanta have, they have these moments, unfortunately, in them where they concede sloppy goals mm-hmm. and they can do that. So I think it's going to be a very end-to-end game, I would be brutally honest. Uh, I know Lazio probably will be the most disappointed, though, when it comes to the transfer business right now because they were linked with a few players. Um, Ryan Kent, for example, was rumoured earlier today to be joining them and he's decided not to take that opportunity to join them. Uh, they were linked with Morgan Whitaker from Plymouth Argyle. Again, that hasn't come to fruition. So, the, I think there was some genuine attempts to, like, obviously boost this squad with some attacking flair, but it hasn't happened. Yeah. So, they're going to have to work with the squad that they've got. And I know Sari hasn't been best pleased with the business that have done from the beginning <laughs> of the season. Fairly open about it now. So, yeah. Um, yeah. he's been fairly open about it. But also, Gasparini came out this week saying that Skamaka needs to run more and needs to. Be giving more effort well, because if that's the usual, that's just though, Gasparini, isn't it? Isn't that's it? The you, usual. you need to yeah. give him more of those steroids, gas that you've been giving everyone else for the past <laughs> ten years. Uh, you need to give him a few more of them and see if it improves his his um, his running stats. But friend of the show, Tom West Ham fan, um, sent me that link actually and was like, "I told you he was a fat, useless piece of shit." He was like, "I told you he was a shit player." Really, not a big fan of Skamaka at all. So yeah, he was. He felt good that Gasparini has backed him up. Um, Elsewhere in Serie A, before we move on to the Premier League, we have very quickly, I'm going to run through the fixtures, let's do it. Um, on Friday, we have Lecce taking on Fiorentina. Saturday, Empoli taking on Genoa. Udinese taking on Monza. Frosinone hosting Milan. Bologna taking on Sassuolo. Now, Sassuolo, we wanted to talk about a little bit because they're massively in trouble. They need a win here. They're only one point above the relegation zone. They've got one win in their last five. Um, Francesco Dionisi, people were quite excited about him when he came in, but he's definitely not mm. pushed Sassuolo on at all. Like, do you think has the time gone for them to make a change? Is it too late now, or do you think there's still time for them to turn the season around? It's a tricky position because they're they're in a position in the table where it could easily get very scary for them, and uh, you don't want to get into a situation where you're reacting to being in the bottom three and you have to kind of... Uh, I feel like they're the, uh, they're not the same, but they're a bit like Leicester was last year. You know, they, they, they need to, to, to figure something out quickly because otherwise they're going to get into that slump where it becomes difficult to get out of and you can end up finishing in the bottom three end of the season without knowing it, where you when you started the season thinking, okay, well, well, maybe we'll be in just the top 10 and we'll push a bit further up, we'll see. Um, I don't really know. I, it's difficult to explain why they're not performing uh, that well. Sassuolo always had uh, and always has been a team that score a lot of goals, but they concede a lot of goals also. 
Um, that's always been kind of uh, the issue, even when the Zerbi was there, even when mm-hmm. Di Francesco was the coach before. Uh, it's always been kind of the the imprint that Asola have. Um, so, but I think the the fact that uh, this year they, yeah, I think Dionysi is just having a hard time figuring out the um, the, the defense to uh, to make them be at least a little bit more solid. And up front, I mean, Berardi is still performing, but they don't have the same firepower they used to. Pinamonte is good, but he's not Scamacca. Uh, Raspadori they hasn't really been replaced with anyone. Uh, so I think it's uh, they lost also Lopez, Maxim Lopez, Lopez who, went, yeah. uh, who left. And uh, he had uh, he gave quality to the midfield. Uh, so I think it's uh, it's a bit uh, again a difficult situation for mm-hmm. Sassuolo. Yeah, I think, and even a player like um, Lauriente, who was so good for them last season, and people were getting so excited about, is having a very very quiet season again. If yeah, it feels like it's just not quite clicking there. But to allude to their defence, they've conceded 37 goals in 21 games. The only team that's conceded more are Cagliari and Salernitana. Of course it is. Um, but Sassuolo, <laughs> yes. definitely, yeah. definitely leaky at the back. Um, and Bologna looking to try and get a little bit of form back. Um, they've only got one win in their last five. Of course, mm-hmm. they got that huge draw away mm-hmm. to Milan last weekend. Um, Adam, this is a great opportunity for Bologna to kind of kickstart their season again and maybe get into the top four, depending how it goes between Atalanta and Lazio. Yeah, 100%. They really do need to get some victories on the board now. Um, I think they've done some clever business so far in this mm-hmm. window. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think it's Jens Christiansen. Um, he, they brought him back, so a uh, blast from the past. But um, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how Bologna kind of push on for the second half of the season because, yeah, I think they've of late kind of slightly disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that performance against Milan, I think, gives you a lot of hope about they can turn this around. I think they've been they displayed kind of like fighting qualities is what I would describe it as. Um, because, yeah, whilst you've still got Joshua Xerxes still at the fold, I think there was a lot of hype around him in this window. And the fact they've managed to keep hold of him is a massive mm-hmm. achievement, I would say. Um, because I don't think you, if you would have sold him in these last few days or hours, you struggle to get someone that could do the same job. So they've done massively well in that respect. And I think that should be applauded. So, you know, fair play. Um, but yeah, it, also there was rumours about Thiago Motta being linked with Barcelona job because of his close don't relationship go. with Deco. Don't go, don't go. Don't go. I, he's, don't already, go. he's already said, apparently, he's already said that uh, he wants to stay because he believes in the project. So this is going to be interesting to see if we see Bologna Maybe in Europa, champion uh, like some sort of competition it. next season. That'd be beautiful. We need it. it. Bologna so, in the uh, Europa League. Yes, bloody please. Um, <laughs> elsewhere on the Sunday, we have Torino, who've done some very interesting business with this window, um, taking on Salernitana, Napoli taking on Verona, as we said, Atalanta Lazio, and then the big one, Inter taking on Juve, and it finishes on Monday with Ranieri going back to Rome for the millionth time yeah. as Cagliari take on Roma. <laughs> always beautiful to see him back in the capital, though. They always they always welcome him. Um, so, should we do transfer business in Serie A now and then do Premier League? It kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, let's do um, that. Let's do that. So, Serie yes. A transfer business. Let's talk about the teams we've been most impressed with or signings we've been most impressed with. And I wanted to kick us off with 
Now, we were kind of joking about Verona having a fire sale and selling all their best players <laughs> with Ngonje going and uh, Hein making the move and Doig leaving it. My God, that is yeah. a long list. Terraciano and Hongler this, this, and Juric yeah. and Saponara. Um, but I yeah. think they've brought in some very, very exciting young players, as Verona often do, right? This is a team kind of not as, I feel like, not as talked about as Sassuolo, but a lot of players who go on to do well in Serie A started at Verona or at least went through Verona. Yes. So I feel like they kind of have a bit of a track record for this. But the players that I'm really excited about, um, Stefan Mitrovic, the young winger from Red Star, there's been a lot of people quite excited about him. I don't know if he's going to hit the ground running or not, mm-hmm. but a player who over the next few years maybe or the next couple of seasons could do really well. A player we've seen in the yeah. Premier League in Ruben Vinagra, who was at Wolves for a mm-hmm. while. He's coming from sporting, um, Sporting, not Sporting Lisbon, sorry. Sporting yeah. uh, as a left-back, <laughs> maybe a bit of experience there to add to the midfield. But Adam, you said you've been quite excited by um, a Polish man entering the league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was rumoured that his agent was kind of touting his services across Serie A clubs. So, you know mainly predominantly the likes of Salernitana because he was linked with a move down there last summer when a certain Paolo Sosa was at that club. Um, but yeah, Karol Zvodersky confirms a free transfer from FC Charlotte in um, MLS, sorry, and uh, moves to Hellas Verona. So I think that's a really clever bit of business for someone that knows his kind of w- way around goal. He can score plenty of important goals, but good goals as well. Um, he can make himself a bit of a kind of target man at times as well, but he's really clever on his feet. That's the thing. So I think, you know, as long as he gets going at Hellas Verona, then he's got a hell of a chance to potentially even transfer going forward because we know Hellas Verona like to sell their players. So um, I think a great move for both in this respect. And, you know, if he scores a few goals that keeps him up, then Hellas Verona fans will love him, right? So, um, but I've also noticed that they've also confirmed in the last few hours is Fabian Cantonzi from Nantes on loan. He's a right back. So, yeah, mm. that's an uh, interesting bit of business from Hellas Verona. So it's been a very active window. I, I can't recall a team selling that many players and still being able to recruit as many through the door. Maybe Portsmouth. Yeah, maybe yeah I feel like Harry Redknapp's definitely <laughs> involved somewhere with that one. Yeah. If that's the question, the answer is Harry Redknapp. But yeah, I was looking at Svideski's numbers. <laughs> 25 goals across two seasons in the MLS is pretty good. Like, that's not a bad record. So yeah. I think if he can get what, 8, 10 between now and the end of the season? That would be yeah, absolutely 10 huge. or 12, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, Francesco, I wanted to ask you about one signing that has excited me in particular. Um, Roma doing some very interesting business, in particular, yeah. one of Italy's hottest young prospects, Tommaso Baldanzi, making the move from Empoli to Roma. This is a huge yeah. move and it could be incredible, right? Uh, it's a very interesting uh, move, both for Roma and for the player. Um, because of course for Baldanzi he's joining a club which has is going to play in Europe uh, is going to give him uh, international exposure and for Roma it shows that the club has a vision and they're trying to go work towards a goal or they have some kind of an idea of what they want to do I think that letting go of Mourinho kind of worried a lot of the fans and a lot of people looking at Roma they were like okay what what are they going to do now um, but bringing in someone like Baldanzi, a young prospect, Italian prospect, um, I think it shows that they're 
in the process of uh, doing something with uh, for the long term. So I'm excited to see how he's going to perform, and I think it's going to be a, a good. Uh, a good match for uh, for Roma. I'm really excited to see where he fits into that team. It just adds a bit more attacking flair and a bit of spark to a team that's maybe been lacking it a little bit. Um, Adam, are there any other signings or any other teams that have impressed you with their business across the window? The main ones that spring to mind, obviously we've mentioned about Alcaraz. That's a bit mm-hmm. of business that I was really impressed by. Um, there's a few um, loans from Torino to other clubs. So Jan Caramo has gone to Montpellier, for example. Uh, Demebeck has just oh, joined Frosinone, as we oh. mentioned. Well, we mentioned offline, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other one was, for me, Bellotti uh, joining Fiorentina. Um, obviously, huge, yes. huge kind of transfer for I would say for him rather than necessarily clubs I think there's a bit of unease from Fiorentina I think Fiorentina wanted to bet make better signatures than what they ended up with but um, that could be a bit of good business for Fiorentina because of the style of play that Italiano likes to play obviously with wing backs and obviously they were missing a target man which I think sometimes like Bellotti's deceptive, isn't he? He looks like a target man, but he doesn't necessarily play like a target man. So I don't know if he is a target man and if he will suit uh, Fiorentina. But that's the bit of business that I think could be interesting to see if he can score a few goals. Then, you know, that's another contender for that top four mix as well. Um, just ones on Calgary. Um, Yeri Amina has been confirmed on loan. So that could be a really good bit of business for that defensive line. They obviously also confirmed Gaetano mm-hmm. from Napoli as well on loan. So that's another bit of business. They did try and get Barak from Hellas Verona. Oh, sorry, from Fiorentina even, sorry. Um, but yeah, that fell through, unfortunately. Someone needs to um, save my boy. Own... Someone needs to save my boy. It's not know, working for him at Fiorentina. Right. It's not working for him. Um, the only other one that I was going to raise, I don't know if you know about this, Rory, but uh, Gabriel Strafezza leaving Lecce for Como, which I thought was a bit of a surprise bit of business because that leaves maybe, arguably, Lecce a bit short in that attacking department. What are they thinking? Um, that's a strange one. What are they thinking? That blew he's, my he's mind, good, that move. Right? He's someone who's been a fairly consistent yeah. goal threat for them. It must be money, that. It must it's be, because Como are obviously backed by Thierry Henry and Fabregas and that American consortium. There must be, like, yeah, they must have exactly. doubled his wages or something, because that is such a weird move. It's such a weird move. It is. Could not get my head around that. Um, the only only one I wanted to mention was Mbai Niang is back in Serie A. It's been a long yes. time. With Anthony. Yeah, I was just looking <laughs> through his transfer record. Is Torino to Milan, Milan to Torino, Torino to Milan, Torino to Stad Rene, Stad Rene to Milan, Torino to Milan. Uh, Jenna was chucked in there a few times. What a career he's had. But he has popped up at, oh, where's he just joined? Um, I can't keep up with him. Empoli, Empoli. he's popped up at Empoli. Empoli. Empoli, It'll be fantastic to see Niang back in the league. Francesco, any other signings that you're excited to see, apart from Alcaraz, of course? Um, I'm going through them, because I didn't really manage to follow all all of them. Um, I remember seeing, well, I think we mentioned uh, Vitinha Mm -hmm. on loan to Genova. Yeah. I think it's uh, an interesting one, making use of those the big uh, money uh, they got from uh, yeah. selling uh, Dragos into um, to Spurs, um, and then Kumbula to Sassuolo. We were talking That's about the fact that their defense yeah. was a bit 
shaky. They, I think it's an interesting one. They also got Josh Doig, yeah, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. Josh Doig for six million. Yeah. So maybe a yeah. bit. Maybe that is him trying to fix that incredibly leaky defense. Um, we will see. But we're going to leave Serie A there for now. I think because I'm very aware of time, and we're very quickly going to do the Premier League. Don't worry, there's not much action in the Premier League. There's not much <laughs> transfers in the Premier League, so it shouldn't take us long. Um, but yeah. of course, this weekend, it is all about the massive game. Sunday is going to be such a good day, hopefully. At least a day of good football, regardless. Um, but of course, it's all about Arsenal taking on Liverpool at the Emirates. Of course, in the FA Cup last time, Liverpool won 2-0. Arsenal were in that phase of not being able to score, scoring one goal in 62 shots or whatever it was. It feels like we've maybe put that to bed. Maybe we're in better form. Liverpool, I would argue, in much better form than us. But I'm actually not going to talk about this because I don't want to think about it yet. Um, Adam, how do you see this game going? You're impartial. (laughs) I can't go past my heart, unfortunately. I think it's going to be a very open match, personally. Um, I think it depends on what team decides to turn up, right, Rory? We've talked about the um, potential exploitive activity that Liverpool could deploy and whether we see Salah return for this match. Um, But yeah, I can see this being a draw. I think a draw will be what will happen. Deal. um, Because they'll just try and cancel each other. And yeah, I I think, you know, it probably would suit both parties, I would say, on average of that, Mm. basically. But... Arteta might be a bit gutted. I think he's going to go for the win. Oh, we, yeah, we, we, we are going yeah. to go for it. But if you offered me a draw now, I would bite your hand off. Because if we lose this, we're out of the title race, effectively. I think it <laughs> yeah, is that exactly. big. True. It's a season-defining yeah. game. Um, Francesco, can you give me some reason for optimism? How do you think this game is going to go? Uh, well, you're playing at home, so I think uh, it's definitely always uh, uh, gives mm-hmm. you a bit of an edge. Um, but I'm gonna, yeah. I think Adam has it right on seeing a draw for for the game. Uh, Arsenal is gonna. You were saying Arsenal and Arteta are gonna go and try and win the game. Liverpool are gonna do the same. So it's gonna be quite an open uh, game between the, the two. Uh, I don't think Liverpool are gonna come in and think, oh, we're gonna try and have a draw and uh, salvage a point or anything of the sort. I don't think it ever happens. Like in in the Premier League, I don't feel like the teams are ever playing for a draw. <laughs> Very rare that they do. If they do, it's like the bottom of the uh, of the league that sometimes they 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 aim at having that. But otherwise, it's mm-hmm. always uh, I have a feeling that when I'm watching games in the Premier League, all the teams are always trying to win, regardless of the position or who they're playing, which I think uh, it's uh, quite of uh, makes it so entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. We will like this game always has goals. So it was three two and two two last season, right? There's always, always goals in this game. So I expect that my resting heart rate is going to be through the roof. I feel for that <laughs> ninety minutes. I'm already not looking forward to it. Um, but do we, just quickly yeah. on that, do we think Klopp has a bit of dilemma in terms of right back? Whether he introduces Trent Alexander Arnold or does he keep with Sonny Bradley? Because I know. Trent has his mm. moments against Arsenal, doesn't he? He seems to get sometimes exploited. If, yeah. um, I don't know if he's going to play him in mm. midfield or whether he leaves him on the bench to come on as yeah. a second half sub. I think it's interesting because Martinelli against Trent has been a problem for Klopp every single time because Martinelli loves mm. getting in. If you leave space in behind, Martinelli's just going to absolutely rinse you. So I think, yeah, it's a big decision. I think we might see him come on towards the end like we did against Chelsea I think we might see him just like maybe Connor yeah. Bradley 
weirdly defensively more solid having him just like kind yeah. of continue he's in a good run of form let's see if we can keep this going see if he steps up to the t- steps up to the occasion um but i would be quite happy if trent started honestly i <laughs> like and i like trent as a player yeah, i, I love imagine, him yeah. i think he's revolutionized <laughs> yeah. the right back role he's it's a travesty he doesn't start for england but I'd be happy if Martinelli was up against him, that being said. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. Like we have Zinchenko, they have Trent, I suppose. So there is the kind of um, weakness there a little bit. But maybe he'll yeah, start in true. midfield, as you were saying. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe putting him yeah. in midfield and having that, those passes just pinging around everywhere. Yeah, oh, I don't like it. Um, good, let's move on. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. So elsewhere in the Premier League, it all starts off on Saturday midday at Goodison Park, Everton taking on Tottenham. Then the first of the three o'clock kickoffs, we have Brighton taking on Crystal Palace. That rivalry, Ooh. a good opportunity for Brighton to get back to winning mm. ways. Crystal Palace, fresh off a win. Um, then we have Newcastle hosting Luton Town. Burnley taking on Fulham. And the late kickoff on Saturday. Oh, it's the... Uh, we got relegated because they didn't turn on goal line technology derby as Sheffield United <laughs> take on Aston Villa. Um, and on Sunday, we have Battle of the United as Man United take on West Ham United, Chelsea hosting Wolves, Bournemouth hosting Forest, and then Brentford hosting Man City. I'm hoping that Mopai can wind up someone enough at Man City to get them sent off. Hopefully KDB or Rodri. Rodri, please. I would like your target to be Rodri. Um, so, guys, in the transfer window in the Premier League, uh, nothing's happened. Not a lot to write um, about. Yeah. Calvin Phillips has been the highlight going to West Ham. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is an intriguing move. Although, apparently, today he was at fault for the first goal. He didn't have a great start, mm. apparently, in the game this evening. Yeah. Um, but I think a player who really was a few, a proper run in a team. I think that could be a really clever signing for West Ham. What confuses me is they've sold Fornells and Ben Rama, and I don't think they've yeah. bought anyone in. Not that I can see. Mm. Nothing has been confirmed no. as of yet. Um, if anything, it's Bournemouth so far. Yeah. I've confirmed someone coming in, and there's been a few loanies going out as well. But yeah, today's been very bare. I mean, I think, is it Adam Wharton? Uh, confirmed from Blackburn Rovers yeah, yeah. to Crystal Palace. That's been kind of a big deal because I think the fee is rumoured to be around £30 million for yeah, that yeah. one. Uh, I, one of the things that I highlighted on the last pod was Morgan Rogers from Millsborough. He's transferred yes. to Aston Villa. I think that's a really shrewd bit of business by Aston Villa there. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm struggling. I'm looking down the list and there's not a lot of names, a lot of loanies of like younger player, yeah. development players, shall we say, in this mix. I mean, Sergio Reguilón, that we're scraping Where's the barrel he here, Rory. We, we, he's gone to Brentford. Oh, Brentford on Spurs. Uh, okay. But yeah, that's what I mean by Best we're scraping the barrel because there's, there's, I think Morgan Rogers is an interesting on. one though, because obviously Middlesbrough having a really good season. Mm. I think he's an exciting player. It'll be interesting to see how Unai Emery uses him and where he fits in there. I think it might just give him another option. Um, that's quite an exciting one. Um, Although I have just noticed Hamid Traore. Do you remember he was at Sassuolo? Oh, yeah. Um, on loan from, yes. he was at Bournemouth. He's on loan to Napoli, oh. um, which I must have missed. Mm-hmm. So, it's, um, all, it's all going, into, yeah. it's all going yeah. into Italy. They're, they're making the most before this growth decree disappears. I don't know what it is, but they're trying to <laughs> yeah. get all the paperwork over no, the absolutely. line. Absolutely. Bring everyone in, I don't know. Um, and with Traore, it's, it's, it's even weirder because uh, he was... Um, 
ruled out of the um, Africa Cup of Nation with Ivory because he contracted malaria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and now he's been loaned to Napoli, which means well he's fine, but it's a bit weird. I don't really understand yeah. <laughs> the dynamics of how that works yeah, out. I mean, there's a few players. There's a few players when Afcon comes up, they're like, uh, "Actually, I've done my uh, hamstring. I can't do this one." I feel like <laughs> Mohamed yeah. Salah might be one of them. Um, I feel like he yeah. he definitely ducked out of it. So yeah, I think there's a few players that are kind of prone to that. But yeah, guys, I think that is um, that's all the Premier League. That's all the Serie A. So that's the end of the Premier League and Serie A and transfer deadline day until the summer. And we are now going to take another quick break and come back with Tiki Taka Toe. This time I'm going to try and defeat Francesco on Serie A knowledge. I'm coming back for revenge. And here we are. It is time for the Tiki Taka Toe quiz. And this time, as Francesco um, directed and handily pointed out, it needs to be me versus Adam. So let's do it. On the grid, for people who aren't watching, we have along the top, we have Atalanta, Inter, and Milan. And along the side, we have Belgium, Torino, and Juventus. Now, Adam, I'm going to let you go first. Where would you like to go and who are you going with? I'm going to go Milan and Juventus in that bottom right-hand corner and going to go for Leonardo Bonucci. Bon. Now, you need to... Is it double yes. N, Bonucci, Good. or Big. double C? Double C, I'm pretty sure. Bonucci, yeah. there we go. I can double never get C. the double letters right in Italian. Okay, I'm going to go Inter and Torino and I'm going to go... Caramo. Very good. He's got it right. So, very good. Go Milan, Torino, Tommaso, Pobega, even. Pobega. Very good shout. Okay. Pobega. Pobega. So, I need to go for the top right corner, which is Milan and Belgium. And I'm going to go Sailor Makers. Oh, very good. Very good. Ah, good one. So that forces me to go easy Atalanta to and Juventus, <laughs> or do I go a bit snide and hope you don't get it? I'm going to put the pressure on you, Adam, and yeah, say, okay. I know a player from Atalanta and Juventus. Yeah, typical, isn't it? Um, oh, do I concede it? No, I don't want to win with your conceding. Don't concede anything. I don't want to win by conceding. I'm just trying. I'm really struggling. I'm really <laughs> struggling to think of a player that has played for Atalanta and Juventus. So you, I think you've done me there already straight away. Because I had a... Well, you need to put in one, cheek. otherwise it's going to yeah. come up as yours. I, I will go. Do you know what? I'm just going to call you bluff. Go Inter and Juventus and Pirlo. Inter, Juventus, Pirlo. Okay, and I'm going to go Atalanta, Juve, Demiral. Yes. Yeah, very good. Boom, nice. I've I've redeemed myself. Well done. Redeemed myself. I'm so glad I had that in the back pocket. Well, there we go. I've got my first win. I'm off and running. We've all won one now, right? I think Francesco beat me. Adam beat me now. I've won. Beautiful. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining us. A pleasure as always. I'm going to stop sharing that screen. Uh, there we go. Nice. Um, thanks for joining us. Pleasure as always. 
Um, we will be back on <laughs> Monday evening for our Monday Euro review show. Hopefully, it will be a happy me. And I can't say a happy Francesco. I'm sorry, Francesco. I really hope him to lose, uh, him to win it. So I hope it's not too bad for you. That's the best I can do. Yeah. Sorry. Um, that's the best I can do. But <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod, and on TikTok at Anglo Italian Pod. Um, make sure to hit the like and subscribe button down here somewhere. And tell your friends, give us a rating on your podcast app of choice. Guys, anything to say before I send these guys home? with a little bit of a lengthy quote. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your football. And if you can, if you've got a TikTok account, please follow us. That'd be really appreciated so we can get some lives on there. Beautiful. Francesco, we will see you next week. Anything to say before you go? Forza Juve. Of course, of course. Fino alla fine and all that, right? Exactly. So we are going to finish with a, cl- a quote, of course, from Jurgen Klopp. We've not really had a chance to do much of a tribute. So a quote from him that really put a smile on my face. Sometimes people ask me why I am always smiling. Even after we lose a match, sometimes I'm still smiling. It's because when my son was born, I realized that football is not life or death. We're not saving lives. Football is not something that should spread misery and hatred. Football should be about inspiration and joy especially for children. I've seen what a little round ball can do for the lives of so many of my players. The personal journeys of players and so many of my boys are absolutely incredible. The difficulties I faced as a young man in Germany were nothing compared to what they had to overcome. There were so many moments when they could have easily given up, but they refused to quit. They're not gods. They just simply never gave up on their dream. Thank you for joining us. We will see you on Monday. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Podcast Network.